the reason I say I have a deep understanding of loneliness is because I was born with cerebral palsy. I was born uh, two months premature and I wasn't diagnosed until I was two years old. I didn't learn to walk until I was four. And so having cerebral palsy has played a big role in my life, in my story. Today, we get to speak with Nathan Todd. He's a founder at No Label Defines Me Coaching, LLC. He runs a YouTube channel, No Label Live, a show for anyone who is ready to use their voice and share their story, but feels trapped by the expectations of others. When you are the labels of others, the world is robbed of the authentic you. He brings amazing stories and powerful guests to the table. They share with you the labels that have impacted them and how they peel them back to reveal their authentic self. He has 34 years of experience navigating a world not designed for him. And living with cerebral palsy taught him the importance of adaptation when it comes to taking action. He also has 10 years of coaching experience. He's been doing awesome things and this would be a great opportunity to learn from this journey. He's been doing awesome things and this would be a great opportunity to learn from his journey. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. It's going to be interesting. I think you've got a really interesting uh, niche with hobbies. And um, when I thought about coming on, I was like, hmm, I wonder what I would talk about. But it kind of brought me back into my childhood a little bit. So I'm excited to talk about it. Fantastic. Well, so... The, the origin of the podcast, I, I love history lessons. I mean, I didn't know that I liked history until I actually like started thinking about th how things come together. So I love going back. I'm like a nostalgic guy. You know, all the 80, all the people who grew up in the 80s, they love nostalgia. Mm -hmm. I go back to the past and I, I ask questions like, oh, what if this was this way? So... One thing that I love learning about is, you know, the journey that no one's heard of before. So you've been the loneliness coach. You've been creating a show on YouTube. You've been creating a podcast and you've got a, you know, amazing message, amazing, um, just, just so many awesome things that you're doing. It's, it's so inspiring. So tell us a version of your journey that no one's heard of before. So I think the most interesting thing is I process what you said there is the idea that there's a hint of truth in everything that I talk about. So I didn't become the loneliness coach by accident. <laughs> Yeah, I became the loneliness coach because it's something that I have a deep understanding of, even if I am unable to communicate it 100% of the time the way in which I want to. And for the listeners who have no clue who I am, the reason I say I have a deep understanding of loneliness is because I was born with cerebral palsy. I was born uh, two months premature and I wasn't diagnosed until I was two years old. I didn't learn to walk until I was four. And so having cerebral palsy has played a big role in my life, in my story. Um, so I think there's a couple of stories that I think are important, um, about this journey. And so 
there's stories about my couch. My couch is a very important part of my story. My couch and soup. They're very important parts of my story. And here's why I never really talked about the idea of my couch before. But when you're born with a disability, there's very few expectations put on you by society as a whole. And so the expectation is for lots of people, you're not going to work. Um, there's a whole list of things that you can't do compared to the expectations of what you can do. And I went all the way through my school experience. I had the whole American dream. Like, this is the line in which things are supposed to go. I'm supposed to go to school. I'm supposed to graduate from college. I'm supposed to get a job. And then it just goes on from there. Well, that's not really how life works out for most people, but for people with disabilities, it's heightened even more. I would go on all these interviews after I graduated from college. I graduated in 2008 to give context of when that was, so that was a rough time for anyone graduating college. Yeah. And I would go to get the interviews. I would nail over-the-phone interviews. And as soon as I would walk in and be like, oh, so that's, that's how this is. Uh, so we're wasting our time talking to each other. Um, so much so that there was a time that I went to a job interview just to go to the job interview, uh, because there could be a chance. I didn't even want the job necessarily, but I, I wanted a job so bad that at the time, I had a cast on my leg, and I used a walker. So imagine that, that picture, a guy with a suit on who's got a cast on his leg and rolls into an interview with a walker. Um, so for a whole year, I sat on my mom's couch going to all these interviews, never getting an opportunity. And when that happens, life kind of slaps you in the face a little bit. And it's like, whoa, this is not what I was taught life was going to be like. This was not my expectation of life. But there's redeeming qualities in the couch. There's redeeming qualities. So we'll fast forward. I got my opportunity for a job. And it came randomly through my uncle who lives in Nebraska. Um, he found a place here in South Carolina where I live. Like, hey, I think this would be something for Nathan to check out just to see if I qualified for services, not even a job. Yeah. And I went in and the lady who was the director there is like, hey, you want to come in and do some volunteering? And it was like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But three years after that, we're, we're back on the couch. And I had the conversation with myself like, I don't like the way that I feel. I don't like the way that I look. And my brother came in the room and he's like, hey, my gym gives out uh, free sessions on weekends for anybody to come and bring a guest. You want to go? And so... I was like, yeah, I don't got anything else to, to lose. So I went and I remember driving home. My arms were shaking, but they were shaking. And I was like, there's something that I missed. There's something that I missed right there. And that needs to be a part of my life. And so from that moment on, the transformation of the person that you know today started to happen as I became the muscle motivator at that time. So uh, that, that's the, the couch. And then more recently, 
during quarantine, I learned a huge lesson about myself and I think about human beings through soup. And so I've always hated soup, always. And it's my mom's favorite thing. Um, so we have soup a lot. <laughs> and yeah, we made soup. She made soup. And I was getting ready to eat it. And I poured a bowl. I went to walk and carry it to where I was going to eat it. Boom. All over me, all over the floor. Okay, so I get it all cleaned up. And I'm like, well, I still got to eat. I'm still hungry. So I pour another bowl. Same thing happens. Two times in a row. I get it all poured. I get ready to walk and take it. And then I dump it all over me again. And in that moment, it was like a light bulb went off. It's like, hmm, what if not liking soup has nothing to do with soup? And it has to do with how I feel about myself. How soup makes me feel about myself because it activates some insecurity I have about my ability to do something as a human being. So I would encourage any listener to actually think about that. And is there something in your life that you haven't liked forever? I would invite you to investigate what's the reason why you don't actually like that. Because it could be about something completely different that if you tap into that, it will change your life. Oh, that's, that's really epic. I mean, read about, so you've got the couch story. You hang it on the couch. And then you got the soup and, and how they connect. I mean, the couch makes sense. You're, you know, you're just hanging out because you're not getting the opportunities that you were promised. Like we are promised, but if you do this, this, and this, you will get this. But that's a lie, right? And that you, you were shown that and I've experienced that too over time. But then that story about the couch, like what's significant about the couch that sticks out or, or, you know, that sticks into your mind. Okay. It's because it's like, do, does those feelings come back every time you sit on the couch or? Yeah, I think that's always in my mind. Uh, and it's prevalent right now, just based on, um, I'm a high risk population person and everything that's going on in the world. Um, I'm spending a lot more time on the couch, so it's easy to go back into yeah. uh, losing the opportunities that you thought were promised to you, um, even though I'm in a completely different season of my life. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to get stuck in there, but to me, it's even bigger than that because it the couch, to me, represents the whole population of people. And it represents being invisible. It represents being invisible because there are many people right now stuck inside their homes and it has nothing to do with coronavirus. It has to do with something that they may not have had a choice in having the disability at all. And they are left to sit on a couch. They are forgotten about. And they are treated like they are invisible. Um, I saw a thing about accessibility the other day. And it was a, the cycle of accessibility. Mm -hmm. And when things aren't accessible your voice doesn't get brought to the table when you're a person with a disability because you can't make it to the table. Yeah. You can't be on the same 
um, like, let's treat it like you're a little kid. You have to find a high chair to even make the table accessible to you. And so what, what's the only option? You, you get stuck hidden away in your house. And so when you're not seen, it doesn't seem like you exist. Yeah. So why, why think about people that you don't know exist? That's really interesting. So if somebody is feeling invisible, feeling neglected, is it sure it is part of the, is it the fault of the society? Is it the fault of, I don't know, I don't, I don't, even, know, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be using those words, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's perfect for the conversation itself. Like, that's something that stops the conversation from being had, period. Because you, sitting on the other end of it, saying, this isn't necessarily my experience. I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. And I don't want to seem like I don't care. So, what's the best thing for me to do? I'm just not going to say anything, because that way, nothing, like, nobody's feelings are hurt. Um, not raising awareness and what is very real for a lot of people yeah and I think I think it's a little bit of everybody's fault I think society has trained us to see things one way and then it's my responsibility as the person that's sitting on the couch to be able to say, hey, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have to try and say something. Uh, there are people that need people to speak for them. Like there are people that are sitting on the couch and they can't, they actually don't have a voice. They matter. They don't have a voice. So that means that there are people that they need to be allies for them in speaking up about what's going on. And I think that's part of my bigger mission and, and really why I talk about the things that I do because I do have a platform. I have a platform that's growing yeah. and I have a way to talk about things where people who aren't in the community will listen to me and they will understand from my experience that these are very real things that are happening to people they don't even see. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. I bet you didn't think it was going to get this serious today. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 important to have that level of understanding because as human beings, we all think we are little. We all think we don't have the resources. We all think and feel depressed because of what notions and what yeah. Um, things we've been brought up with, right? We have so many influences from people that are around us or we, who we keep around us. Mm -hmm. um, just earlier today, I was watching um, a video by Frank Covey, and it was the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm -hmm. And this topic was all about circle of influence. I don't know if it's related at all, but. Um, in one way, it's related in, in that. Let's see, let's see, look. Number one, um, it is everybody's fault because we have not effectively reached out to the people that need the help. And as a collective, that needs to change. There are, there are some 
to move and guide it from places when you're creating digital assets and websites, you know, the 508, Section 508, you know, Adobe CAG, you know, whatnot, to create accessible content media. So there's a ruling. But again, as a collective, as a human force, there is a lot of good people out there that are helping and supporting. But then it's only a percentage. It's not everybody doing that. So number one, I guess we need to do the outreach and figure out, okay, who needs my help? So be that helper person. Number two, people who are feeling the loneliness, who are feeling that they are not getting heard, they need to find, I mean, we have a, we have tools available now. Um, there's a blogger called a blind blogger. I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Ivy Maxwell, and he's he's written several books. He's very prolific. You know, he's so there's there's examples of people that are you know done so many things, even with having these disabilities. So there's there's a two parter, right? So we all got to pitch in and get that level of awareness in, and then there's also people that don't have physical disability. Right? They have they have different types types of disabilities where they are either depressed, they're either you know the mental health issue you don't see it, and we're you know we're able to hide it really well. People who have those issues, so it's there's the problem right there in what you just said. Just let's go back to what you just said. Yes, we are forced to hide, like. Did I say we are forced to hide them? No, no, you said we hide it really well. Right. So the way that I look at that is we're forced to hide because if we don't hide, we are no longer seen as normal. Mm. And everybody wants to be normal, but who are the people that we look up to? We look up to the people that at some point they were called crazy. At some point they didn't know like they just had an idea and they went for it but yet we strive to be mediocre we strive to be normal and i'll take it even further man um not to get too political but i think that this is extremely important to the type of conversation we're having there's a young man who's 25 in the state of north carolina who surprisingly won his election and now he's a rising star he's a rising star for the republican party and he's got a spinal cord injury and he was giving a speech and i was like well let me check this out because it's blowing up all over the place and he talked so much about things that i talk about on a daily basis but to end his speech, he said he had two guys come out, put his walker in front of him, hold the walker so he could stand up and stand for the flag. And I said at that moment to myself, you don't realize what you just did to all those people that you, you had on the hook saying, oh, I relate to that. You just spit in my face by politicizing disability and you weaponize disability by saying, oh, it's not okay that I have this. I'm going to stand too because it's the normal thing to do. I'm going to stand for what you deem to be right. And if I sit in a wheelchair for the Pledge of Allegiance, that doesn't make me any less American. It means I can't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. It's so stupid. Doesn't mean I don't respect it. Yeah. And so that's disabled America, man. That's why I did the summit that I did and talked about it. Disability, my experience. Because that's that guy's experience. And that's true to him. But it sure as hell is not everybody else's experience. 
powerful. That was that was really deep and I don't know where to take this. But I do have a little cheat sheet to help me. Yeah, so let's let's talk about my favorite movies, all right? No, before we go there. No, no, okay, all right. <laughs> so we talked about your journey and, and why and how you came to be where you are today, right? Yeah. What you're doing uh, with your platform, creating content, talking about the important aspects of life as somebody with, you know, cerebral, cerebral palsy and what you did to overcome, right? So there's the physical overcoming, but then there's also the mindset, the mental. I think that's more than anything at all. There's a, there's a, there's a folk tale where this man, there's this man, got no arms, he's standing on the on you know on the side of basically by the by the walkway by the beach, right? But then there's another man on the beach. He's got no arms, no legs, and he's jumping around. And the guy with no arms, he's looking at him, he's like, why is this man with no legs and no arms so happy that he's so jumping around? So he goes over to him. He's like, dude, why are you jumping around so much? You have no legs, no arms. Mm-hmm. At least I have two legs I can walk around. He's like, dude, I got this itch on my back that I get. get. <laughs> but can you please help me out? <laughs> yeah. Because it is a very, very important. Like we as humans were put on this earth. For number one, to pray to God who created us. Number two, to help each other because we are not, we cannot exist in society without a connection with our human friends. I I love it. You segued me into something that I think it relates perfectly to what you just said. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a, it's a Bible story. And it's the story of the man who can't walk. And he gets lowered through the roof to see Jesus speak and to be healed. And so when most people talk about that story, it's like, oh, how great that those friends took that man to see Jesus. Right? And my view of that is a little bit different. And it's, it's because I was born with my disability. I know no different. Mm-hmm. And I say, what, what if that man was born that way? Because his purpose was to get those men to find and believe in Jesus. Amen. Our, our purpose is in our difference. It's up to us to figure out how to best use that difference and to not shy away from the difference because it's not easy. None of this is easy. Talking about disability and taking a stand on disability as a disabled person is not easy because you know what? There's a lot more people that hate on me for saying the things that I do because I look at things differently. And I don't say, oh, poor me, I'm, I'm not going to do anything because that's what's expected of me. I say, we're capable of so much more, and it's my obligation to shift anytime I'm in public somebody's view of what's possible with a disability. Just by meeting me, by seeing me, if they choose to talk to me, by talking to me. So... I'm very like you can say I'm passionate about what we're talking about right now. No, absolutely. And the one name that pops in my head, Stephen Hawking's, one of the smartest men, uh, you know, of our generation, and his disability. Right? He didn't let that stop. Right? He is like smarter than so many of us combined. So, <laughs> yeah. To, to say that. Disability 
reduces you as a human being is blasphemy. Right. All right. So what are some of your motivations for the things that you with, that you're doing? And I think we talked about a lot of those things too, you know, changing the narrative of how disability is seen. It's not that you're not able to do something. It's that you have some limitations, but that does not stop you from being a full 100% person. Yeah. Um, again, I think it goes back to that obligation that I feel. And that's that's something that's been internally there since I've been little. Um, I, I know that I've been blessed with the gift to be able to connect with people and make people feel comfortable. And one of the greatest stories that I can share about this, and, and I keep stepping like more and more into my true authentic self as I get older and as I go down this journey of entrepreneurship and building um, what will be one of my legacies. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> I remember going to Summit of Greatness. I've been every year but one. And the first year I showed up, I was like, what the hell am I doing here? I'm just this guy that works for a nonprofit. All these people have businesses. What do I have to offer this group of people? And I had one conversation with Heather underneath the tree, our friend Heather Parody, and she shifted the way that I started to look at myself and the value that I brought in that community. Yeah, fast forward to last year, I made it my mission. We drove and I was like, I can stand, I can walk around, but I'm going to choose to go everywhere that we go in my wheelchair. Why? Because that shows people that if you, even if you're using a wheelchair, a wheelchair is just a mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with how you show up in the world. But if you show up and you're full of energy, you're full of wanting to connect with other people, you make a huge difference in the way that they view a whole group of people. Um, so much so that there's a dance party at the end of every event. And I was like, man, we're, just, we're going all out. Uh, I'm using the wheelchair even during this. We're just going to do it. And so I went out and I danced on the dance floor using the wheelchair. Because nice. I'm like, how often are people going to be able to see that? Not often because of uh, issues that we talked about before. Many places aren't going to be accessible, and a lot of times people are going to be like, oh, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be out here. You're not supposed to be having fun dancing. What is this? Um, and so that's a huge motivation. My family is a huge motivation for me, and kids that have disabilities who need to see possibilities are motivators for me. No, that's that's really awesome and really powerful. And you know, the more we talk about disability and being a human being, the more I keep remembering that our soul is the operating system. Our bodies are just the vessel. It's like Somebody's got a Toyota, somebody's got a Lexus, everybody's got different vehicles of transportation. The operating system is the same or has different experiences. As human beings, you know, we, as as a Muslim, I believe that when we are raised on the day of judgment, we're going to have all our limbs and all all our uh, bits about them because we are a creation of God, right? And when we are in heaven, we will all be 100% human beings without any disabilities because that is who we are inside our minds. And the reason that we 
put ourselves down is not the lack of anything. It's it's how we feel and how we put ourselves down, basically. Yeah. I don't know if I'm... The, the biggest cause of loneliness is that label of this is who I'm supposed to be, man. I know that 100%. Like, everybody's... I won't say everybody. I'll say most people are walking around and that's a label that we all carry and nobody takes the opportunity to be like, oh, what the hell is this doing here? Like, maybe this is who I thought I was supposed to be, but uh, that's not really, that's not who I believe myself to be at the core. And that's really why I chose no label defines me, man, because my whole time working at the nonprofit, it was all about inclusion, diversity, and yet we didn't really tap into a hundred percent what that looked like. Because I would say, and we're doing all this great work, we're, we're doing all this great coaching, but we could be doing this with people without disabilities as well. well and they could be paying us to do the coaching with them uh, to help fund the organization. And that just never happened while I was there. And that's one of the things I was like, we're all just underneath our labels is our heart, man. I don't know about you, but I put it right over my heart every time. And like, that's what really matters. Like I have this really cool idea for a video, so maybe some maybe somebody will uh, listen to this and be able to create their own version of this. But like we we are all walking around with all these different labels. They're what we consider quote good labels, and they're what we consider bad labels. But we've got them stuck all over us. But what we don't realize is underneath. We have core values that we, we live by. And those are the real, the real labels. So I want to do a video where you see my labels come to life, whether they're labels that come out of my mind and I stick on myself or you see me throughout the day get labels stuck on me. And then I want to rip the shirt off and show what I believe my true labels to be. And for me, that means that I'm powerful, authentic, and loving. Those are my core beliefs that I have about myself. That's really powerful, and it's, it's very, 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 very true of how we label ourselves. Like, oh, I'm this person, that person, but in all honesty, you really need to dig deeper. Like, no, those labels don't define me, and, and that's a really awesome community that you have going on. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about a lot of fun things, a lot of deep things, a lot of <laughs> mind mind bending thing, and maybe people are, you know, I don't know where to go, but um, I do know where to go. So authenticity is very important, and the way we define ourselves is super important because that, in effect, tells ours like tells our mind tells our body who we want to be mm -hmm. so thanks so much for sharing those ideas sharing the thoughts and sharing the wisdom that you've gained over the years yeah man oh. so we've got some questions for our guests <laughs> all right some fun ones now for the lighter side of things what is what what is the one hobby that you wish you got into that I wish I got into. So <laughs> I'm going to talk about it in terms of this is something that I actually hope to get back into. And it's actually fun to see kind of where it's going right now because it's having like a resurgence. But ever since I was little, the one thing that I would do with my dad was collect sports cards. Mm. And 
got a lot of good memories about going to to look at sports cards. Uh, there was a time when we would go in there so often that the people who owned the business, they just knew who we were. And they saw how excited I was. So, you know, when you're running that business back in the day, this is in the 90s, um, they would have all these, like, garbage boxes that were just, like, cars that really nobody really wanted. And sometimes you would get a good one in there. But <laughs> there was a time when we went in there and the guy at the store was like, yeah, if you can carry this box out by yourself, you can have the whole box. I was so excited. I was like, Dad, I'm getting all these cards. This is going to be amazing. And I just, I won't ever forget that just because I was like, this is so cool. I can't believe this dude has given me all of this. Um, and he, so, guys, I didn't carry it all the way out by myself. But he gave it to me anyway. Anyway, yeah. And. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. I think that probably had a lot to do with it. He's like, uh, cause again, that human connection, right? There are things that we probably don't even recognize when they actually happen in person. But you, dude, we're just protons, neutrons. <laughs> like, we're all about energy and nobody really talks about that too much. And so. You want to change something, change your state. Um, so I got so much into that that somewhere in my dad's garage, there's a case. Like, he made a case. He built a case. He's got all these beautiful sports cards in it. And now you see, like, Gary V, Dan Fleischman. They're all – they're starting to bring it back. Like, it's starting to come back into – social prominence of being a, a card collector. Like, it never went away, but it's starting to become more um, well-known. And so that's got me excited to see what would a second round of that look like. And maybe in the future, I'll, I'll have a son and I'll be able to do that with him as well uh, that that was really important to me nice that's that's really cool i i never really got into the card to like that i wasn't in the u.s or well i was in the u.s mid 90s but didn't get into the card because there were so many things that i was exposed to that i didn't know <laughs> because i grew up in saudi arabia and you know, we had no cinemas, no TV shows, no movies, no none of that. So it was all. Right, I went into a coma. You're like, all oh, these new things. <laughs> I don't know what to choose. Exactly. There's music, there's movies, there's so much stuff. All right. Next question. What is your favorite movie or TV show? So I have two movies and they're, they're right there with each other. It's really interesting that no matter what, they're they're always my go-to, and they're not super famous or well-known. But number one, Mr. Holland's Opus. I love that movie. And number two is a movie called Fifty Fifty. Fifty Yeah, it's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the main character, and. Here's the common thread of my life, right? I, I bet if we took a poll right now that, that the listeners would be able to tell what I'm about to say. But I love Mr. Holland's opus because the main character is a teacher and you get to watch him help students grow throughout all these decades. But... He also has a son that's deaf. And you get to watch how that relationship grows, how, like, the dad tries to understand the best he can, and it's not, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter, man, I'll tell you. Like, if you don't have it, there are going to be things that you just don't understand, and that you can't. Yeah, it's, it's possible. 
Um, so I love watching that, and I I love the arc of that story about how he find they finally cut the music program. He's an old man when they do it, but everybody comes back to um, show the love for the teacher. Fifty fifty. Joseph Gordon Levitt has cancer. He's uh, in his 30s, and you watch him navigate dealing with cancer. You watch him go through the whole grieving process. But (laughs) there's a scene in it where he goes to have surgery to have the cancer removed. I might cry for this, but it happens every time. But there's a scene where all he wants is his mom, and he wants somebody to tell him it's going to be okay. And I've been there. I've been that person in the operating room, like really wanting to know that I'm going to come out the other side of this and be okay. So that's why that resonates with me. Wow, I, I really like him as an actor, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's he's been he's done some really amazing things, and um, him and his brother actually started this company called Hit Record. Hit Record, yeah. And it's, it's just an amazing community that they've created, and definitely got. I think I've seen the movie. I've heard of it before. Is um, you know. Joseph and this other actor, what's his name? Seth. Um, That's Rogan. In there, right? So, Annie Kendrick, all these. Yeah, Annie Kendrick. Showing up. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out. All right. What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Ooh. <laughs> what movie would I choose if I was playing a character? And we just play out the movie, huh? <laughs> you know what movie? <laughs> I know what I would be. I would be Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Even though he dies, he's yeah. one of the coolest characters. Like he he knows who he is, and he's a he's a loyal friend to the people that are his friends and I just be like yeah let's let's do this thing let's have this gun fight and let's see who wins <laughs> awesome. that's a great question that's like thank you so the question comes from oh I came up with the question because of I read the book Ready Player One by Ernest Klein where you have to know the 80s um, mm-hmm. you know, if you read the book. The 80s nostalgia is all over this because to be able to win this competition, this challenge to find these three eggs, right? you got to know the 80s. And one of the scenes uh, in, the, in the book, you're playing Matthew Broderick in war games and you have to know all the time. <laughs> Oh man, good stuff, man. That was that was really that was really good. Um, there's there's another thing that just popped in my head. If you remember the movie Avatar with the aliens, where he sits in this suit and he's able to drive this Avatar body, and this man who sits in the suit, he uses a wheelchair. Yeah. When he's in this body. He can run, jump through all sorts of things. So again, it goes back to you know our, our earlier conversation that we are not limited because of our bodies. We make ourselves limited because of the mindset and the audience and the not the audience and the influence that we you know carry or, or the people that we hang out with most. I think that's.
And if there's somebody who who listens to that and they're like, "Yep, I'm I'm still relating to that," I want to tell you this about my own personal story, uh, and it's something that I deal with on a regular basis. So I continue to grow in in what I believe is possible for me. But you know what? One of the things that nobody—this is the first time I've ever said this. So this is a hacks and hobbies exclusive. Um. One of the hardest things to think about is the idea that sometimes I feel like I'm not disabled enough. Because if I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you, you really don't have any clue that I have a disability. No. And as somebody who aspires to make big impacts on lots of stages, I start getting in the comparison game with other speakers who have disabilities. And like, I don't look disabled enough. Wow. I don't look disabled enough to have the type of impact that I know um, these people are having. And that 100%, just so we're clear, that is a limiting belief that I have, okay? So I know that that is a limiting belief, but I want to say that because those are the type of things that I think about. I'm not disabled enough. Talk about the power of limiting belief, right? Yeah. It literally leaves you. It's almost like it's almost like imposter syndrome. You and I think somebody said that it's good to have imposter syndrome. It means that you are doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing. So you're on the right path. Ah, that's powerful. Yeah, we'll see. Um, that's that's something that, like, I've stopped talking about people that we follow. Like, I know for for you and I, imagine for your audience, they know your love of Pat Flynn <laughs> and how much you respect uh, what he's created. Yeah. So the way that I've started looking at things is, I don't want to be your fan. I want to be your contemporary. So what do I have to do to start to make that happen? And that completely is a mindset shift. And with imposter syndrome comes putting people on pedestals. Guess what? If you're doing anything in the public eye, chances are somebody's put you on a pedestal. I've been told somebody put me on a pedestal. And I was like, what the hell? I I don't know why you're putting me on a pedestal. I'm not talking in front of millions of people Mm -hmm. and doing all that. But if you have a public platform, somebody's put you up there. I feel that right now. Not, I mean, not right now, right now, right now. We have in the international leaders, we have a, we have, we have a challenge going of networking with intentionally networking with people. And I've, sent messages out to some people that I've been connected with and you know they've seen me show up on Tech Tuesdays and Juice with Lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh my God, thanks so much for reaching out. I didn't know how to talk to you, blah blah blah. And like, what do you mean? I'm just a simple guy. Just come talk to me. But that's the thing, right? You're so afraid to go out and reach and touch people they're like i don't know what they're gonna say you know like i myself have those feelings like i don't know if i should be talking to this person and then when you go and talk they have this like they reflect the same feeling that you have and it's like oh okay. yeah because <laughs> we're we're all mirrors of each other man and it doesn't matter uh, because of everything in the world right skin pigment is just 
where you originated from and how close you were to the sun, my friend. Amen. And our good, awesome, uh, what's his name, the science guy. Don't I? (laughs) The science guy, right? He actually has a little video where he says, he's like, we took the the entire Earth and, and the solar and then basically the reason our the, the reason of our pigmentation is because of where we are from the you know mm-hmm. so like, wow, that's, that's this stuff. dude again if we started looking I'm just gonna say it again because it's that important if we just started thinking about scientifically we're atoms we are <laughs> Like, we're just made up energy floating around. So I want to give you guys a challenge right now based on that idea. So if we're energy, positive attracts negative, right? So I want you to look at it a little bit differently than that from a human perspective. Maybe you are great at staying in a high state where you are just pumping full of energy. If that's you, I want you to find somebody in your life or maybe it's somebody you see online who doesn't have such high energy. And I want you to have a conversation with them because what if that's supposed to happen so you can bring their energy up? And if you're sitting in a low state of energy, go find somebody who's, you're like, holy crap, what is this? Like, are they taking drugs or something? What are they out to? And, like, connect with them and see what happens. Like, it's not always about like attracting like. It's about figuring out the balance of how we connect to each other. Amen. Absolutely, man. That that makes so much sense because until we connect with people who are of a different energy, we will not resonate at all. Like, I sense that you cannot solve a problem in the same state that you have been. Yeah. That's insanity. That's crazy talk. You can't be trying to fix the same tire with a broken tire. Yeah. You, need to, you need to get a new tire, a new mindset. So thank you so much for that challenge. I'm definitely going to put that out. And let's see how what we get. All right. Two more questions and then I, Dude, I'm loving this interview, by the way. These, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much, Nathan. Yeah, you are an awesome and very easy person to talk to. And then we, we built a rapport, right, over time. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just talking to my brother. You know, that's what's that's so cool about it. If you, um, who is your favorite superhero? <laughs> Man, so I have to go with Superman. Um, Superman right over here. And here's here's why Superman for me. It's not it's not anything about his powers. It's not anything about him as a superhero. It is actually about the feeling and the memory it creates of being 18 years old. I, we had just graduated high school. My buddy, um, his dad is in the military, so he, my mom allowed him to stay at our house to finish out our last year of school. And my cousin, who's a bit older than me, they all came down and they rented a beach house. And she's like, hey, you guys come to the beach house. And... I was like, I'm a very strict rule follower and I didn't want to break any rules. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink. No, that's, no, that's not for me. Well, that didn't, that didn't last too long. Uh, peer pressure took over and I was like, oh man, they're having so much fun. But there was a time me and my buddy were part of this game and we had to give each other nicknames. So. The nickname he gave me was Superman, and the nickname I gave him was Spider-Man. And so whenever I think of that, I think of that memory for me. 
But it's also interesting about superheroes because I think they relate to people with disabilities as well. Because superheroes, again, forced to hide. They're forced to hide because of the difference that they have from everybody else. And it's so interesting. There's a guy I talked to about a month ago. He's trying to create superheroes who have disabilities. And I said, the only piece of advice I would give is be very careful about how you approach that narrative because are we again enforcing that you can't be yourself and be exactly who you're supposed to be so those are are the interesting dichotomies I have about superheroes man that's that's really powerful and we can have a whole conversation about superheroes like go super deep because of how they feel like they are lone rangers. Yeah. So when you bring a team of lone rangers together, how much more it can be accomplished. And as human beings, that's what we got to do. We got to bring a team together around ourselves so we can excel at what we are good at and complement our you know, creatives with other people who might be liking that. Yeah. So for like you, eventually when all these people and unconventional leaders start taking off, you're going to be our tech guy. We're going to, everybody's going to pay to fly you to (laughs) their house or their studio, whatever they're working out of and be like, Hey man, do all this shit because I don't want to do it and I know you can do it very, very well. So it is about finding those those compliments and looking for the differences because the differences are what's going to make that team complete. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? <laughs> this guy... I'll start with what it won't be. It won't okay. be Monopoly. It won't be Monopoly. <laughs> no, I I hate Monopoly. <laughs> I've had a lot of people that that they call themselves Monopoly. Yeah, I think you're on. Like, there's no middle ground with that. I think I think the people that love Monopoly are the ones that were the bank and they cheated all the rest of us out <laughs> of the money we were supposed to get. Um. But <laughs> I, dude, honestly, it's a it's a card game more than a board game, and right right now I would be Uno, mm. and that's because of watching those dudes play Uno, let's, let's do play Uno. up up down down, and I can <laughs> think of how much joy that brings. We need to do like in UL, we need to do a session. Of a video game, yeah. UL UL Twitch channel. Let's talk to Heather about uh, what does this look like. I know, right? It'd be so cool. It's like, what is going on? Why people play Monopoly and, and Catan and and oh man, Uno on here because because I found these video games on stream on Steam. Yeah, and. It's a multiplayer game where you can have multiple people, and if you've got video cameras already, you just overlay the picture on the game board and broadcast that. I think it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, man. I tell you, if if you're not into uh, into wrestling, you should uh, people should pay more attention to wrestling just for how much of a great entertainer those people really are and it goes far beyond the act of wrestling they are just uh, great at telling stories i grew up in the era of hulk hogan and andre the giant and i can't remember anybody else but 
back in Saudi, we'd, we'd have, like, my dad would watch these wrestling games because he used to do wrestling when he was younger, right? Mm -hmm. Watch these wrestling competition or, or a tournament. I don't even know what you call them. <laughs> yeah, and I would, now I would call them an event. It's an event, right? So these events, and, and it was really exciting to see. You're just sitting there next to your dad, and you're and, and I'm watching these wrestling matches. I'm like, whoa, this is this is some next level stuff. And that's because that's what my dad used to play. He used to have, you know, those competitions or events back when he was younger. But when, when we were growing up, like he wasn't into a lot of sports. So I didn't really get into a lot of sports. I just played sports because of my classmates and whatnot. But mm -hmm. I was really into cycling because that gets me to places. And so, you know, and it's carried over into your adult life. So that tells you how good that is for you. I remember with wrestling. So my mom's from Iowa. And my mom and my dad met because my dad got a football scholarship to go to the university to play football. And we would go back every summer to visit my grandparents. And we went to the county fair one time. And they had wrestling. And there was a guy. This is back when... Austin Powers had just become popular. Yeah. And there was a guy who, that was his character. He was like an Austin Powers character. <laughs> and he was a heel, so he was a bad guy. And I remember heckling the crap out of this guy until he turned around, he pointed at me, and he started talking crap to me. I was like, oh, no, okay. No, I'm good, man. I was just messing around. I was just, but it's just so fun, man. It's like, gives you a chance to, create some vision which is yeah. what we're all trying to do and create this amazing story to have you buy in and have you think you can do all yeah. these amazing things it's amazing cool man well thank you so much for coming on to the podcast we had a ton of fun talking with you and learning about you learning about all of the amazing things that you're doing and how you got here because it's the journey that we're going to continue moving on and continue leveling up our mindset, leveling, leveling up our business and the people we connect with. So thank you so much for coming on. Where can my audience find you and learn more? Yeah, just the Loneliness Coach, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the communities over on Facebook. I do a little bit of writing every now and again on Medium. Um, and yeah, if you just want to reach out and give me an email, you can email me at eradicatingloneliness um, at gmail.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, man. Have an awesome day. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hatsandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You can find links mentioned in this episode on the hatsandhobbies.com website. 